0: Before we get into today's conversation, we want to share a special opportunity with you. Do you want to equip students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission? Here's one simple way Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is on Tuesday, November 29th, and we at Southeastern Seminary are aiming for 500 gifts by the end of the day. Your gift, no matter how small, plays a critical role in preparing our students for ministry preparation around the world. And get this, every gift will be matched dollar for dollar on Giving Tuesday. So mark your calendars for November 29th and be part of fulfilling the mission through Southeastern.
1: Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God.
0: Hi, I'm Brandon Ward.
2: And I'm Ron Joylock.
0: We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. We are back again this week with a familiar face in mm-hmm. the studio with us. Dr. Art Rayner is back with us for today's conversation. Art Rayner is the founder of Christian Money Solutions. He's authored several books, including The Money Challenge, and he is the host of his own podcast, The More the Money Podcast, a show you can find on any of your favorite podcast platforms, most importantly, Dr. Rayner is a dear friend of Ron Jor's and mine, and mm-hmm. anytime we can have an excuse to have him in the studio,
1: we're going to take full advantage of it, I think Absolutely. it's safe to say.
0: Yeah. So, brother, thank you for, for joining us. Hey,
1: great to be here. And any time that I can sit in front of you guys and, and hear your voices, it's, it's an honor. I, Ron Jor, anytime that you even... <laughs> You can talk about anything. I mean, you can talk about why you know, pineapple should be on pizza. And just the way that you say it, the way that, uh, that, you, that you articulate it, it's just I'm always – I'm convinced. I mean, it's just you're – anytime that you talk, it's highly, highly intelligent. It doesn't matter what the topic is. So I love yeah, I just do. listening to you talk.
0: It's gotten to the point where like when I read my Bible, I read my Bible in Roger Lark's place. Oh, my goodness.
2: Well, the, well the, the, the name
0: of the game is sounding
2: intelligent. Um, you don't necessarily have to be intelligent. You just have to sound it. In see, this, I've already in tried speech. it. See, they, they, even they, <laughs> the way he just said that, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. it's,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. Yeah. I'm taking notes right now. Yo, oh, right, boy. right. So really, there's two topics when
0: you're in the studio that I just know we're going to talk about one or the other. Uh, one is financial stewardship, something you, you're, you're well known yeah. for. And the other Kentucky. Uh, and I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think you want to discuss the latter with us right now. I don't, I, I don't know
1: what <sighs> well, it is well, with. Well,
2: it depends. Some, it for, depends. Are, are you still in football season, or have you pivoted already?
1: I, I am still in football season. Um, yeah, I, I think that this happened last time. Yeah, that I, so that I came on. I was about to say, I
0: don't know what it is with Kentucky and you coming on to join us. Last time it was Kentucky basketball. Yeah, and yeah. Then, I think we had just lost to St. Peter's or did, something yeah, yeah. like that. Mm-hmm, oh yeah. man.
1: Yeah, so if, so uh, if you're li- listening to this to this uh to this podcast, the the weekend before this recording, Kentucky loses in a uh, fantastic way to to Tennessee. And everything that we thought would happen during the season has not happened and uh, it's been uh quite a ride in all the wrong ways yeah so
0: the moral of the story is don't come on pastor matters if your team has a big (laughs) game coming up or Mm. just don't be a kentucky fan one of those two i don't know which one it is but it is so good to have you back and a lot has changed uh, for you yeah. since you've been in the studio. Uh, for one, you recently started a financial resource for churches to utilize. Uh, why don't you take a few minutes to update us on what has taken place over the past few months and tell us a little bit about the Institute for
1: Christian Financial Health you've launched recently. Yeah, it's it's been a very exciting time in the, in the Rainer household. So uh, one. Um, I stepped away from my work here at Southeastern. I love, love Southeastern. That was a very, very difficult decision to uh, t- to make, but God has instilled in me a passion to help people discover and pursue His design for, for for money, and so I had the opportunity to launch a new company called Christian Money Money Solutions, and so I took that that leap of faith, that that step. Now, part of it is uh, an institute called the Institute for Christian Financial Health. And you can go visit that at christianfinancialhealth.com. That's the, the first step that we've taken with our, with our company. I'm very, very excited about it. The purpose of the institute is to help people to help others pursue God's design for, for money. Now, One of the ways that we're doing that is by offering a certification program. It's called the Certified Christian Financial Counselor Program. It's the first of its kind. And it's geared—it's a very rigorous program that's geared to uh, uh, provide— a, a seal of approval, uh, some type of, of validity mm. of, a, of a person's knowledge, because that's a, that's a problem, whether it's in the, the local church or outside of the local church, where you're dealing with somebody that, uh, with, their, with their finances. You're wondering, do they know the right information? Mm. Do they actually know about, about financial health and how to get people financially healthy? And more importantly, are they able to do it through the lens of, of Scripture? Well, this program, those who go through it and those who pass the certification, at the end there's a two-hour 100-question exam that they have to go through. It's live proctored. Um, you can say, yeah, they they know their stuff, and they they do it through a biblical worldview, yeah. which is really important both inside and outside the, the local church. And we were just talking about how
0: much of a need yeah. this is. Why don't you share a little bit about your vision for for this?
1: Yeah, I, I would love— for every church in America, this is a big vision here. For every church in America to have a certified Christian financial counselor in their church, primarily, uh, in, more than like on a volunteer basis, much like you'd have a a marriage counselor, so that when somebody goes to the pastor and they say, "Hey, you know, pastor, I have a lot of debt, or I'm really struggling with my with my finances, really struggling to to budget well," or you know, maybe it's a couple that's struggling with their their finances, that pastor may not have all the answers, may not know how to to help them walk through a debt snowball, but he can say, you know what, we have a guy in our church, Brandon, you need to go go meet with him. He's been been through a program, and he is able to help people just like you or just like you all and can help you do it through a, a biblical worldview. So, once again, so that you have somebody in your church that you can trust to handle these types of situations.
0: Yeah, and this is just the first of many things that's going to be coming out yeah. in the next few months uh, from you. And, and we're just so grateful for your heart and putting stuff together like this for the church that can help. So super grateful for that. Let's get into some money questions because, again, we're not going to have you on here without talking about some money questions. So let's just start off talking about how parents can help their kids be better stewards of their money. What are some resources you would recommend that can help kids learn how to budget, save, and spend wisely? Because this is obviously something you want to start early. I have a 7-year-old who found out this week is the book fair. And he was ready, man. He was he was, he was was ready to take all of his allowance and go take it to the bookstore. And we, ready to go spend it he all. He was ready. And we had to take some time to say, hey, you know, why don't we get this one from the library yeah, here? Yeah. Let's, let's think about this for a second.
1: Yeah. One of the, the resources, I'll, I'll talk about one that that I created uh, that was really geared when you're talking about seven-year-olds. This is what resources really geared toward toward them. It's a series that I, that I put together. It's called the Secret Slide Money Club Series and it 's a fun um, book that helps books that help children understand god 's design for money his biblical the biblical pattern that we find in scripture as it relates to money management and that 's what we are to give save and and live. And if your children go through that particular series, um, they will understand the give, save, live pattern. I mean, it probably annoy you at times as you're <laughs> trying to pay your bills. They're looking over your shoulder and saying, "So, did you did you give first, Dad, Mom? Yeah. Did you did you save? My son would totally you, do that. You, oh, mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And and so that's one one of the resources that uh, that I would certainly recommend. Another re- good resource that's out there is Greenlight. I don't know if y'all are familiar with with Greenlight. It's a money management system for 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 kids. Parents obviously have full access to it. We use it here in the in the in the Rainer household. And you can actually set categories in the in the system where you have your give, you have your save, you have your live so that when they do their chores, which is what our our kids do, we put a little bit in the give, a little bit in the save, and a little bit in the in the spend or the or the live. And they get a they get a debit card that's tied to it. And to that, to those accounts, which they, you know, it makes them feel, you know, <laughs> big and I'm important. An adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in which I like because they they are in the di- digital world. They have mm-hmm. to learn how to operate. Well, even this. so many things there... require debit
0: cards now. Absolutely, like, you know, your Xbox mm-hmm. subscriptions, without like question. That. Yeah.
1: Now, if you have really young children, so we have uh, children that are ages twelve, nine, and six. So for our six-year-old, we're going to work with him a little bit differently with with finances. We like to still use the still use physical cash, and we use give, save, live jars. And the reason why we have opted that strategy for him is because he needs to to visualize right. the, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the the money. So I, I, I throw a green light out there and let you know that we use it, but we also use um, a little bit more of a physical approach with with our youngest child so that he can see. Um, the, the money. You can see the physical cash. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's so important to get this started early. Yeah. We had you speak to our mentees, our the guys in our mentorship program a couple months ago. And I think it's safe to say, Ron-Jour, we all felt really terrible about ourselves after that. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, That's what I try to do. Yeah, <laughs> You did a good job Uh, <laughs> when we realized, man, we should have started doing this much yeah. earlier. And yeah. so parents really don't want to miss the opportunity to teach their kids how to budget, how to save, how to spend, all of those things early on because those are habits that are going to carry into adulthood. Yeah, and
1: I think I think what you're talking about when you said made you feel really bad. I I showed what could have happened had you set aside $2000 when you were 16, 2000 when you were 17 and $2000 when you were 18. So, you know, just from your from your summer job and invested that in the s p 500 how that turns into over 40 years, about little – it's almost $700,000 when you take real numbers now. Yeah. That 6000 turns into $700,000. You're lo- looking at it like, oh, man. what, uh, what, I, could a, what, missed, what a I could have bought Twitter. I could have purchased Twitter. Yeah. I know.
0: <laughs> but also just teaching them because they're growing up in a world that is quite different yeah. than the world that we grew up in in a lot of ways. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast. was watching the news the other day. And there was a, a segment on how gambling has mm-hmm. become an issue for, for kids, yeah. for teenagers, uh, particularly sports gambling. Yeah. Yeah. And so these are real things that are happening to our youth that we need to be aware of and how to teach them how not to, to, to fall into those traps.
1: And let me throw one more um, piece of um, information out there. So financial literacy is actually at its lowest point in our nation's mm. history so we're having all of these problems, but yet people they they've never been taught um, how to manage their their fi- finances, and so they are looking whether it's on TikTok or you know social media to try to figure out how do I solve my my, my problems, which once again just reiterates the importance of having the church step up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this goes back to that certification program, having somebody in your church. They can answer questions, yeah. Because people are getting a lot of trouble, whether it's with gambling, whether it's with buy now, pay pay later, that whole that whole mess yeah. that you, that's uh, that's done through uh, retailers now. Mm-hmm. People need help; they yeah. need help, and a certified Christian financial yeah. counselor can can be part of the yeah. of the solution at your church.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, when I was watching this and hearing the you know the, the teenager kind of share the story about the first time he he gambled and won, how it was like a high. That was a real yeah. addiction. Yeah. And he's hearing the dad that was like, I can't even watch sports with my son anymore hmm. because he thinks about it differently than he used to think about. It. Yeah. So mm-hmm. definitely you need to be aware of just the ways that companies are trying to attract your right. kids to spend money and helping them just think through what are the boundaries of that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There they're just a lot more It's not necessarily that there are a lot more vices but you have a lot more people recognizing the profit of vices um and and it seems like the more they get the green light you know from the government and so on the harder it is for us to uh, uh to warn and to guard our kids away
1: from these vices so yeah, yeah. there's there's certainly more there's more opportunities mm-hmm. now there's just mm-hmm. easier access to these to these things, and and so we have to be very very cautious as as parents as we as we lead our children.
2: Yeah, yeah. So let's get out of the home a little bit and and let's take a drive. Uh, we we head out to the grocery store, and you walk through and you look at uh, all of the stuff. The food is the same. We think, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you go in. I mean, the milk is right where it was last time. The cereals right where it was last time. The meats right where it was last time. But there's something a little bit different. Uh, you look at the price tags and you notice those numbers aren't the same as they used to be you know you go over to the gas station and the number on the sign is not what it used to be you know and just everywhere we look we see inflation everywhere we look the prices have have spiked and and there are a lot of pastors and and certainly church members uh, that are feeling the crunch. Yep. Uh, churches are feeling the crunch. Pastors are feeling the crunch in their home. Everybody's feeling it, you know, in their homes. And certainly, we're feeling it when we gather together and we look at our offerings and so on as well. We're we're going what what is going on? So so what do we do? You know, what do, uh, for pastors? You know, both personally and as they are leading the church, uh, what do we do to to navigate
1: such a a, a tough season like this with inflation? So real quick, it's funny that you said every, you said that everything looks the same at the grocery store. Um, in some cases, it's actually not. Uh, it's not the same, even though the price may be the same. They've actually reduced the content. That's true. And so that's a yeah. so that's another. I've noticed strategy. there's a lot less frosting on my pop tart. Yes. Yeah, 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 so they yeah, yeah. actually reduce the, the the content that you're that you're purchasing, but they keep the price the same. That's mm-hmm. another strategy that. Um, that grocery stores take. So, yes, inflation certainly is wreaking havoc um, across across the nation. I uh, recently was at a was at a conference and spoke on finances. I had um, pastor after pastor after pastor come up to me and basically say the same thing. They would say, "Hey, Art, here's my here's my problem. My fin- my finances are just falling apart right now, and I'm not really sure why because nothing's changed." But yet we are experiencing significant financial stress mm. in our in our household. Any idea what's going on? And because I've heard that so often, I can kind of get a a sense of what what was happening. One, more than likely, their standard of living truly had not changed mm. over over the past past year. They maintained the same standard of living. And for a while, Americans actually felt a little wealthier um, coming out of the pandemic because of the, the stimulus mm-hmm. uh, checks, mm-hmm. and so maybe some even increased their standard of, of living a little bit. But over the past year, their standard of living probably didn't change. Their purchase um, routines probably did not did not change. I, I don't know about you all, but at the in our in our household, we kind of know how much we're going to buy, uh, how many gallons of milk we're going to buy. Which man. With our three boys, we go through a lot of milk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we know how many uh, boxes of Frosted Flakes we're going to to purchase throughout the week. We know how much, how many rolls of toilet paper. Which, by the way, you have three boys, we go through a lot of that as well. <laughs> um, we we have our purchase routines, and for most, those remain relatively unchecked. You just keep doing the same thing over and over. You've developed this really worn, uh, well worn path that you have that you've you've created, and it helps make decision making just easier. Yeah and so you just continue on that on that path. In addition to that, and we've already mentioned a little bit about this, income probably didn't change. And so when I'm talking to these pastors, their their income probably did not increase. Many church budgets are being frozen, mm-hmm. and so they weren't increased last year and they no, have no prospect of being increased in the in the upcoming year. So those things didn't change, but something as you all have already mentioned did change. Right. And that was the cost of everything. Inflation at the, the time we're we're having this conversation is at 8.3%, I believe, year over year. That's that's significant. Yeah. That's a significant change in the cost of of goods. And so if you maintain, then you're behind and you're not able to purchase as much as you as you as you once once were. So what you asked the question so beautifully, but by, by the way, um, <laughs> what um, what you should do? And Number one, I would say go back through uh, your your purchases over, over the past three months. If you use a debit card, credit card, whatever, of course, encouraging you to pay off your credit card every single at the end of every single month. But go back and look at your purchases. Get a feel for what things actually cost now. Yeah. So go back and look at it. Number two, I would say determine what you really value. Mm. Um, and we've had a conversation about, about this before. Americans spend a lot of money on things that they don't care about. Yeah. Um, as an example, mm. on average, Americans spend over $200 in subscription services every single month. Now, what I have found with with some of my uh, clients that I have, I do Christian financial counseling with a few, with few clients. What I have found is that as we go through those subscription services, they're like, oh, I forgot that I had Peacock. Mm. I forgot that I had this. I forgot that I had this. And they don't care about that stuff. Or they're spending money on, say, coffee. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with, I have, I have coffee right next to me. But they don't really value, they, they spend it like at a, at a Starbucks. But it doesn't bring them a lot of happiness. You know, yeah. they just do it out of, out of, out of habit. And so determine what you really value so that when you're cutting, you're going to have to cut something. You're cutting out of your budget those things that you actually don't care that much about. Now, I said I have coffee next to me. Made this coffee at home. Why? I enjoy coffee, but not necessarily from a, from, from a Starbucks. Yeah, uh, that sense. just doesn't bring a lot of a lot of value to to me. Then I would say once you've determined that, create a new zero-based budget. A zero-based budget is a type of budget where – Every dollar has a responsibility. It's accounted for. You know where these dollars are, are, are going. And then finally, after you've done that, you have to adjust your standard of, of living. Mm-hmm. The great thing about, about being a believer, there's many great things about being a believer, but one of them is that we view our lives through the lens of eternity. Mm-hmm. And we have to maintain that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, when I'm talking to pastors, their standard of living, it, most of the time, it wasn't very high to begin with. But you're having to adjust your standard of living. How do you, how do you make that adjustment and still be joyful, happiness? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same. You know, we saw it with with, with Paul, um, as as he talked about how he f- how he finds contentment in all things. Mm. You first of all fi- find your identity rooted in Christ. Second of all, you're viewing your life through the lens of eternity, knowing that this is just a this is just a blip on the on the eternal timeline, and so you have to approach it with that with that um, perspective. And and so those are some steps that I would that I recommend that, that a person take. Yeah, that's that's really really helpful. You know, I
2: think about uh, you know just all of the 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 situation that we're in, all of all of the issues that we're dealing with in the situation. And I think about what Paul would say in Philippians four when yeah. he talks about learning to be content. Yes, and I mean, isn't that just such a great way of thinking about? Uh, about about, you know, just the ups and downs of an economy. You know, uh, he he just says in there, you know, I've learned the secret. He says, I've I've learned, uh, you know, how to be brought low and how to abound. He says in every uh, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so there's that sense of, you know, I the situation is going to change. It's not going to stay steady. And I think for us as Americans, we're we we have kind of unrealistic expectations. You know, we expect the economy to go up and stay up Forever, right? You know, and never turn and never change. You know, the costs of of, of everything is supposed to go down, uh, you know, hopefully to get to free one yeah. day. You know, that <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm supposed to make, you know, an ever increasing amount of money. Costs are supposed to go ever decreasing, you know, uh, and, and that's the kind of uh, economy that we think we're in. And there has never been an economy that has ever done that. Uh, And if they've even attempted to do that, it's been a disaster. Uh, And so there's this sense in which we've got to learn, I guess, with Paul, the secret of contentment, you know, to know how do we navigate when things are well, how do we use that money wisely so that when things aren't well— we're OK. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're able to kind of maintain, um, uh, you know, a, a certain steadiness when we live in a world and, and in a culture with an economy that is not steady. Uh, it never has been. and never it never will be. Uh, so, yeah, that there's some there's some good wisdom there. How about how about this? So, you know, we're in the 21st century and uh well, you you mentioned, you know, having uh a debit card and so on for your kids. Uh money is becoming less and less Tangible, right? You know, yep. uh, you know, we 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 don't really. There, there are many of us that don't even think about carrying dollars anymore. You know, whether they've got their iPhone, you know, and they just you know use the, uh, um, you know, just tap you know the the little machine there, or whatever. I sound like I'm fifty, um, you know, but <laughs> uh, you know, or or any of these things. Um, but now there's there's whole digital currencies. I mean, we're talking NFTs, we're talking Bitcoin, we're talking all these other coins, you know, and so on going on, uh, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what happened to dollars and cents, and uh, what, what hap- what's up with all of these other currencies that are going on? And obviously, they seem to be even less stable uh, than uh, than than the typical currency of dollars and cents that we have uh, in in America. So what what do we do with all of that? And is it wise to to get involved in all of that?
1: So, yeah, cryptocurrency, you certainly hear a lot about it. You hear a lot about mm-hmm. NF, NFTs. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go through all the nuances of, of cryptocurrency in this, in this particular particular episode. We may have to save that for, uh, for, for another one. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is digital currency. Now, I, I use the term currency loosely because as of right now, it seems to be more of a digital investment. Okay. Uh, people are not really using it much for transactions. In a sense, you could see this. You could see this coming Uh, with with digital currency. We've already. We I mean, even years ago, we were kind of stepping into 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 this, as you as you've mentioned, debit cards using uh, credit cards over over the internet. So this is somewhat a natural extension. At some point, this would, would would happen. Now. There are red flags um, uh, around a number of the the cryptocurrencies out there, and that's why I would say, hey, um, if you're looking for an investment, um, I wouldn't bet your retirement on on this. Only invest in that which you can afford to to lose. Um, and know that the cryptocurrency um, environment that we're experiencing today, is not likely and this is going to be my personal opinion is not going to is not likely going to be the same in the future i think cryptocurrency is going to be around if mm-hmm. uh, I, I received that question i do think that it's going to be around but i think it's going to look dramatically different as more governments start to start to get get involved mm. um and there is uh, competition among among cryptocurrencies that's going to to change the dynamics of the cryptocurrency market um, but I would say if you're going to invest in it, only invest in what you're comfortable losing. And that's been my stance from, from day one with, with cryptocurrency. And, and so. But do I think that there's a future for it? I do. I do. Um, most of the cryptocurrency right now um, is detached from any type of centralized government. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the attractive nature of, of cryptocurrency while a lot of people are, are pushing it. Um, but uh, the governments are not going to sit on the sideline mm-hmm. with this. And we're already starting to see that as governments start to get more involved in this space, you're going to see greater regulations and you're also going to see their own cryptocurrencies. And so you're going to see the, this whole environment change. Um, so do I think that there's this place for it? I do. Do I think the future is going to look different in this space? I do. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So,
0: what are some ways, some common ways you see Christians unknowingly mismanaging their money? I see you post on social media a lot about cars and car purchases. <laughs> yes. By the way, if you're not following yes. Art Rainer on uh, social media, go change that today, so you can hear his garbage takes on candy corn. Which I oh, think come on, man. there's an argument. Now, how that... <laughs> did you
1: go from cars to candy corn here?
0: <laughs> because I I think it's an it's it's a common way that.
1: Christians unknowingly spend oh, their man. money. Terrible tie. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> okay, I do like I like candy corn. Brandon uh, apparently thinks it's from the the devil himself. Um, I think that he's just completely wrong in, and <laughs> in a, in a bitter person. But um, yeah, so there are a number of different ways where not just Christians but as Americans in general waste 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 money. Cars certainly seems to be one of those. We just hit an all time high as relates to average. Uh, car payments for a new car, car loan. It just hurt. It just hit. It did hurt too. Um, seven hundred and thirty-eight dollars, which is believe, crazy which is because freak,
0: I mean, when COVID first hit, there was this crazy thing where yeah. car prices were at an all-time low. Me and my wife were able to purchase our car for crazy cheap. Yeah, and then it just has not. It reversed and has not gone back.
1: That that concerns me. Fourteen percent of the the new car purchases um have a a car payment, average car payment of above $1,000, wow. which is up um, from 8.3% last year, which is a massive year-over-year yeah. jump, by the way. Um, and what's even more concerning than the high payment are, is the the term of loans. So when I say term, how long these loans mm-hmm. um, stay out. You typically we look at a car loan at three-year, maybe four-year. Now the average is at 70 months, which is horrendous. Mm-hmm. There are 10-year car loans out there, which means that this person that gets into a 10-year car loan is going to be upside down mm-hmm. on their car. It's almost guaranteed, yeah. which um, if you're not familiar with how cars are valued, their value goes down pretty quickly yeah. um, in the first first few years. So as soon as you drive a new car off the lot, it drops by about mm-hmm. twenty or 10% at the end of the first year. It's down by about 25%. So if you have a a car loan that is like a 10 year car loan, you're gonna be upside down on on your car, meaning that you owe more than the car's actually worth. Yeah. So that if you get into some type of financially tight time, which a lot of people are experiencing this right now, and you realize, oh, a $738 car loan payments crushing my finances, I need to get out of this car loan. You actually have to bring money to the table mm-hmm. just to get out of that, mm-hmm. get out of that mess. And so that certainly is a is a problem. Where I'm just my, looking at Ron Jawor right now because
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> you're the one that's going to be in the market for a new car. Pretty I know. Soon.
2: I know. I've got a 16 year old, and and I'm just going. Have you have you have you considered bikes?
1: Buy used and and pay pay in cash. Mm-hmm. Even if if even if you can't purchase your dream car, which for some reason everybody feels like they're entitled to their to their dream car, um, lay out a T chart needs and wants. Write down the the actual what you actually need out of your your car. Put it on the other side wants. Obviously, try to meet all the needs and maybe get a few few wants, but be wise with your with your with your uh, car car purchase. A lot of people are struggling with that. Another area of concern, which is a just a, a deep passion of mine, is the area of generosity. Um, I continue to see Christians not put God first in their in their finances. And we are certainly out of the air where it can be assumed that a believer knows that they are to give their first and their, and their best to, to, to God, which is an indication that they're not trusting God with their finances, more than likely other areas of their, of their life as, as well. Um, and so we are, we are designed by God to be a generous people. Mm-hmm. We are to reflect his generosity toward, toward others. And I, I look at First Timothy uh, six nineteen, where um, it, Paul is telling Timothy to teach those in his church to be generous, so that then they can take hold of of life. And as you as you look at that verse, he's not talking about eternal life. He's just talking about the the present blessings that that come along with those who follow God's design in this area of their of their lives, and. Believers are missing out on it. They're missing out on what God has in store for them. Whether, and I'm not necessarily talking about financial gains, but contentment, satisfaction, all these things that people are using money to obtain, um, to maybe through cars or other things. You know, it's a lot of it's going to be given through generosity. But believers are just missing out mm. on on that. And you talked about um, the the rise and fall of the economy and how it is how we can't always expect things to. Go up, and that immediately when you said that, I'm reminded of the the great commission opportunity that we have here in the in the United States. We have a window of time, and it bothers me. Um, I, I love the opportunity, but I feel like we're going to miss out on something great. Uh, James Weiss wrote a book called Inheritology, and in the book, he, um, he he's part of Ron Blue's organization. If you're familiar with Ron, Ron Blue, in the book. He lays out right at the beginning the Great Commission opportunity that we have here in the United States. He says over the next 30 years or so, we're going to have $30 trillion, with a T, transfer from one generation to the to the next. Mm. That's in the great wealth transfer. Then he goes on to say let's assume that 25% of Americans are Christians. Now you can debate the numbers. Um, ultimately, you see that it won't matter. That means that $7.5 trillion, with a T, will be in the hands of believers just through that great wealth transfer alone. He goes on to say, let's now assume that there's 3,200 unreached people groups out there. Once mm-hmm. again, you can debate the numbers. Um, these are people that have yet to hear the name of, of Jesus. They have not been given the opportunity that, the we, that we've we had. Mm-hmm. And then he says that let's assume that it takes about $75,000 per year to reach one of those people groups, and then it takes 20 years to really engage that group. I'm sure you all have already done the math. If you take 32,000 times— 3,200 times 75,000 times 20 years, it gets you to 4.8 billion with a B. Wycliffe Bible translators said that they need about another billion dollars to translate the scripture into every native tongue. So now we're up to about, no, let's just round up for fun, 6 billion. We have 7.5 trillion with a T in our, potentially in our hands. Now this, that's just through the great wealth transfer alone. If you're not familiar with the relationship between a billion and a trillion, there's 1,000 billion in a, in a trillion. So what we're talking about is a drop in the bucket of mm-hmm. the resources that we actually have. And I know I'm being an idealist, but you know, we're, we're a Great Commission seminary here. This is a Great Commission podcast. And, and so I just can't help but think about the opportunity that we have as, as believers. We have to teach our people in our congregation to be to be mm-hmm. generous. Mm-hmm. Many of them are going to raise their hand and say, "Yes, Pastor, I agree with that." But my finances, my finances are tough. I, I, I they're just I got a lot of debt. not budgeting well. We need to help people get financially healthy. But we need to help people get financially healthy. And this is obviously an area that I get excited about. But we need to help people get financially healthy, not so that they can buy that dream car.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm not opposed to, to nice cars. If you have a nice car, great. As long as it's within your your, your budget, mm-hmm. but not that's not the goal. Right. The goal is to free up more resources so that we can send people around the world to reach the lost. There's people yeah. in our world that have yet to hear the name of name of Jesus. We need to help our congregation get financially healthy. But before we even do that, we need to help them understand the why. Yes. Why they are getting financially healthy. And so back to we're coming full circle now—back to that certified Christian financial counselor. When they go through this program, that's what they're learning, mm-hmm. that, hey, you're not getting people financially healthy yeah. just for the sake of financial health. Okay. You're a part of God's great commission, and this is a piece. This is the piece where I feel like God has—I He's. I feel like he's made me responsible yeah. in a way for this particular piece of the— of the of the of the mission.
0: Yeah, I love hearing you talk about how our budget should be a blueprint for mission. Yes, uh, it's absolutely. As we talk about generosity, uh, we've got the holiday season approaching. By the way, if you listen to Christmas music before oh, Thanksgiving, man. I question.
1: I question man, you're you. You're just a Scrooge with all like <laughs> no, all, Ron George, all holidays. You don't like George, candy corn. You don't like early Christmas music. You're outnumbered here. Ron George with me on this. Oh one. man. Yeah. Well, he's going to say it so beautifully. I'm going to be convinced. He's going to say it. I'm going to be like, yeah, he probably right. right. Every
2: year, every year, I I add to my Thanksgiving playlist, and and I try to make sure that I that I have enough songs to make it through the entire Thanksgiving season because Thanksgiving is like the Charlie Brown of of holidays. Yeah, this is his (laughs) Christmas. No respect, (laughs) no love. You know, we just. I mean, I went over to uh, to Lowe's the other day and uh and and walked in i had to get some get some uh some uh some hardware and everything and so i walk in and on the left uh you had the santa and and all the yeah. little you know air displays uh-huh. you know kind of you know uh, balloon things and stuff all of that over there and then on the other side you had the grim reaper and and witches <laughs> and and goblins and all of this and and i just go you don't have a display for Thanksgiving. Where's yeah. the inflatable like turkey? Let me just <laughs> exactly. let me
0: just say no love. Our family had the privilege of having Thanksgiving with Ron Jordan and his family last year. If you had Thanksgiving at his house, yeah.
1: it would become the Christmas of all holidays oh, for yeah. you. Well, just how he explained it, I'm convinced. Yeah. Um, anytime he speaks. <laughs> so like I'm I'm convinced. Thanksgiving
2: <laughs> is you know I just I keep saying like there's there's the one. Charlie Brown of
1: holidays. It it is, is, it's it beautiful. Is. It's amazing. There is
2: one holiday. Or one holiday that's that's actually specifically focused on a command in Scripture. That's and right. Oh, man. N- now now,
0: okay, now throw the Bible saying. in there. Okay, he, <laughs> he just jesus jute <laughs> everyone. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, generosity, this is the holiday season. Yeah. We know families are going to be traveling. They're going to be buying Christmas gifts. They're going to be making those large grocery orders for those holiday meals. And we're already established. It's a very difficult time. Yes. So, what tips do you have for our listeners on making wise decisions this holiday season?
1: Number one, get your Christmas budget together. When I say Christmas budget, I'm not talking about just <clears throat> presents. That's a part of it, but I'm also talking about the holiday travel. Mm-hmm. People spend a lot of money traveling to see to see family. It's yeah. all a good thing, but you have to keep your cost under control. It's, there's a significant number of people that end up paying for their Christmas in January, February, March, and and so on because they go into debt. Mm-hmm. You want to have some great memories over the Christmas season. You don't want to have some great debt yeah. over the Christmas that doesn't we, that's not what you want to walk walk away with. So make sure that you have a a budget. Hopefully you've been setting aside money um over maybe in the past six maybe months, maybe even be getting a Christmas budget uh, a bonus. A, exo- mm-hmm. absolutely. And and start setting aside the money now if you have not started you need to do it mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. and then once you have that amount that's the amount that you can spend and remember this is obviously this isn't we don't celebrate for presents we give presents obviously but that's not what christmas is about um and so keep the the central focus on on christ you can have a very cost effective memorable Christmas without massive massive amounts of presents and so um, stay stay in your budget go ahead and start preparing preparing now um, obviously don't skip over Thanksgiving or ranje is going to to come after you mm-hmm. but go ahead and get your Christmas budget together now yeah and and again just Calendar the
0: start of Christmas the day after Thanksgiving. Make it a big thing. Our family, we, Charlie Brown, actually is a massive part of our holidays. We, we're mm-hmm. watching Great Pumpkin Tonight. We'll watch mm-hmm. Charlie Brown Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving.
1: Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's Christmas mode. You know, I was going to say just out of spite – I'm going to listen to some Christmas music on my way, oh my on my way home, but because Ron Jure, the way Ron Jure has articulated it and now how he's thrown in scripture, I can't, I, I can't had, do this, it without my conscience saying, or yeah. my, my little Ron Jure on my shoulder yeah. saying, it's not, it's not That's Christmas right. time yet. That's right. Real quick. We, I had a
0: conversation with one of uh, our coworkers here at the seminary and we were walking to my office and he's like, yeah. You know, I started off the morning listening to Christmas music. He said, the weather was so frightful. I just wanted to start something. I said, the weather was 79 <laughs> degrees outside. You don't listen to Christmas music. I don't care how frightful it is. <laughs> Speaking of the holidays, I thought it'd be a fun question to ask. What is the weirdest Christmas gift you have ever given to someone? And what's the weirdest gift you've ever received? Now, I can tell you both are thinking really hard on this. So I'll, I'll get this started. So the weirdest Christmas gift I have ever given to someone. I was thinking about this really hard this morning, talking to my wife about this. And I think it was toilet golf. I've given toilet golf as a
1: gift. You're going you, – you really have to explain that. So, so, say, so, so toilet golf is, is
0: – it was something we saw at – I don't know. I think it was Bed Bath & Beyond or something like that where you play golf in the bathroom. Now, I I think it's great personally <laughs>
1: That that is weird.
0: Yeah, it is weird. Uh, the weirdest one I've ever received. Now, this is going to be like people are going to think this is this is interesting. So, when I was in college, I was in BSU, and this person will probably never listen to this podcast. So, in college, we uh, had this this party. We gave really cheap gifts. I think it was like a five dollar limit, so you can only imagine the gifts we got. I got a little rubber reindeer. That on the the belly said Jesus is dear to me, and it was a reindeer, deer uh, D E E R, yeah D E E R, okay. uh, and it it has become a staple in the ward household where every year we hide it in certain places, and whoever finds it is tasked to hide it again. So, so it's, it's just like this, your your
2: elf on the it, shelf. It
0: was elf on the shelf, and I nice. guys, I swear. This was Elf on the Shelf before Elf on the Shelf. Okay. I didn't know what Elf on the Shelf was, but this thing existed before Elf on the
1: Shelf. You should have you should have trademarked that thing. Yeah. Man,
0: I'm telling you. And every <laughs> time we find it, we're reminded that Jesus is dear to us. So it's the weirdest <laughs> gift that we've ever given. And this girl probably has no idea. She probably like picked up this thing and thought, this is going to be like the stupidest gift I've ever given. Yeah. But it has become like part of the war tradition. That's funny.
2: Oh, man.
1: So the... The the strangest gift that that I've ever given, and I admittedly I had to I'm thinking quickly here. So a couple of years ago, um, I decided my wife is very practical. by, by the way, uh, she loves practical gifts. If you give her something that's not practical, she'll say you know return it, <laughs> um, which which is great. I mean I'm not I'm not complaining at all. Sarah's very practical, very frugal, and and I love her for it. So what I decided to do was to get her a pair of, of tennis shoes, which nothing says Merry Christmas and romance like a pair of, of tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, I bought her pair her, her her shoe. She has Brooks, I believe it's glycerin, I think is the the type of shoe that she that she likes. And so I bought her bought her a pair. They came in the mail because, you know, who actually goes to a store nowadays? Mm-hmm. So that arrived at the door, opened the box, and looked at the shoe. And there's like gravel stuck in the, oh, the bottom of the of the shoe. It's like, well, that's not good. Oh, no. They gave you I, a used shoe. They shoes. gave me a used shoe. So it was through a sporting goods store. And so I called them up. I said, hey, um, thankful that you got the shoes here on time. This was, we we're getting pretty close to Christmas, uh-huh. but we got a problem. See, I like his approach to things real quick. He starts with the optimism. You got me the <laughs> shoes on time. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. But there's a problem. These have clearly been used. This is a Christmas gift that I'm going to give to my wife and I can't give her a shoe that has gravel in the bottom. And so the the store was was great. They said we will ship you a, another pair. They'll be at your house tomorrow, which once again got it there mm-hmm. on time. I said, "Well, can you want me to to send you all these these other shoes?" They said, "No." You can keep those shoes, which, by the way, these are these are nice these are nice shoes. Other than the fact that they have gravel on them, mm-hmm. these are nice shoes. And so I said, so "You just want me to to keep them?" He said, "Yeah, you can have you have two pairs of shoes now." So I gave Sarah the new pair, but then also gave her the pair that was slightly slightly worn. Yeah. Now, but the great thing, which is kind of weird, you give somebody shoes that has gravel, so that's kind of one of the, that's the strange thing But the great thing is Sarah loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, that kind of wear them worn, but I gave her, you know, two pairs of really, really nice shoes. Other than other than those worn, so that was kind of a weird, weird gift. You typically don't like to give people used footwear. You um, did better than me
0: though. When we were dating for her birthday, I got Debbie because she's so hard to get gifts for. Everything works, yeah, and that makes it incredibly hard. Yeah, I got her a fish tank with fish in it. They died, and she's never used it. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's bad too. Um uh, strangest <laughs> gift that uh that we I go back to uh, kind of like what we said we were in a small group church small group and uh we received and these are kind of a joke gift or was supposed to be a joke gift and it was like this um old um it's not porcelain but it kind of looks like porcelain Christmas tree that you you plug in and lights up and I was like oh man that thing's ugly man can't believe that well it's still in our house. It's up year round. Actually, Sarah loved it. And now this ugly Christmas tree, if you go into our house, <laughs> it's right it's the kitchen is there year round. It's a year round staple of the of the Rainer household. Man. And so a what I thought was an ugly, trashy, you know, gift that that that, that was the intent. Yeah. is now part part of our home decor. Man.
0: Oh boy.
2: Yeah, there we have received some some doozies over the years. Um, there's, there's, uh, one family member and I don't know if this family member listens to this podcast. Well, this is the test. We'll, we'll, we'll stay, we'll stay anonymous, <laughs> uh, on names, but, but there's, there's a particular family member whenever we gather together and we get our presents and so on with our extended family. Uh, there's always a present that we, we kind of look forward to. Just because we know that when we open it up, the question we're going to ask is, what in the world? I mean, we, every single year, <laughs> every year we go, what on earth? You know, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, you know, And but it's and it's great and it's thoughtful. It usually comes with a lot of rationale, you know, and, and everything. And and, you know, the logic is pretty airtight, but it's it's totally useless, <laughs> and and so you know you you automatically get it and just start going okay, um, well I could I could see how much this goes for on eBay uh, because <laughs> I just don't know what to do with this. I mean there, it's it will sit for years and years and years to come. So we have we have kind of a category of of those things. But in terms of gifts that I've given, kind of kind of like Sarah Art um, Annie is. Is just an incredibly practical person. Yeah, incredibly practical, and she grew up in a home where, uh, you know, the uh, kind of what we're saying about the economy, uh, the goal is free, um, and and you know, a dollar is close enough. Uh, you know, and so anything above that, you know, you you just kind of get the side eye, you know, like, what would you do that for? You know, that, uh-huh. that, so that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, she loves uh, Aldi. She loves the dollar store. You know, she loves she loves the little trinkets and things that she can get for, you know, as as inexpensive as as possible. I'm not that person. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I kind of think. Uh, you know, th- think like cars, for instance. You know, if she gets, uh, if if we get a car, we're not going to get the cheapest car because typically the cheapest car it comes with the most repair. Netted it out, it's not the cheapest car. Right. You know, and so I think about that when it comes to to buying stuff too. That I'm like, okay, not just what am I paying for but what do i have to pay for when this breaks down right. uh, and and will it be more than a dollar <laughs> ultimately so there th- but she's so practical and and i and i love her for that but it makes buying gifts incredibly hard uh, so you know i'll ask her you know what do you want for christmas and she'll just say well you know the shower head isn't isn't working well and and all of this and i'm thinking because i've got to think about these things not just how do i make her happy but i also have to think if this goes out on social media <laughs> will will i be looked upon as the worst husband ever you know because i because i did that or there was one year where um there was there was a i think it was the bathroom door uh the the door wouldn't shut and everything we were living in a parsonage at mm-hmm. the time and and the door wouldn't shut all the way and she was getting upset you know the lock and, and and everything and so there was one year where i actually changed the the knobs and all of that and and actually that was the same year as the shower head so it was kind of like a complete renovation of the of the bathroom uh on a pastor's dime and so it really wasn't that much of a renovation at all but she was close to tears and yeah. she was just like, "Thank you. This was so thoughtful, Mr. Romantic." Right, <laughs> and I'm lo- and I'm I'm watching her respond, and in my heart, I'm going, "There's a part of my soul that is dying right now." See, I know, feel like I,
0: I I'm just... the weirdo of the group here because I mentioned toilet <laughs> golf, and y'all are sitting here mentioning normal
1: gifts. Yeah, but that but was these but that aren't was normal. weird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, these aren't normal gifts. Fringer, but...
1: I'm one. I, I just had this thought. Yeah, we should break something in our house prior to Christmas. <laughs> right? see, that's a great and idea. And then we should say, "Hey." Look what I got and you. Here's the thing you know, because you idea. can budget that. That's right. There we that's go. right. There yeah, we something go. that's already kind of old. Uh, Sarah, if you're listening to this, I apologize. I'm not really going <laughs> to do that. I promise you.
2: <laughs> but it is one of those things where you go, you know, I, I never in, in a million years thought that for my bride, uh, I would go Christmas shopping. Uh, at Home Depot. Um, I, I just I just never you know had that on on my list of things to look forward to in marriage. But she loves the practical stuff. And, yeah, you know, um, some people get necklaces and jewelry and she's happy with a vacuum cleaner. So yeah. uh, <laughs> that's my bride. So. We've had a wonderful time of talking, and and it's and it's actually quite amazing that we've laughed as much as we have uh, talking about uh, money <laughs> and, fi- <laughs> and finances. But thank you so much for that, Art. Um, any final words of encouragement? Uh, for pastors, for church leaders uh, that are listening to this, obviously, you know, um, money isn't a, a you know isn't always a laughing matter, and so there there are a lot of things that we've got to think through, a lot of things we've got to navigate, and there's some that are that are are struggling. You know, they're yeah. they're trying to figure out what in the world they uh, they need to do, not just for themselves, not just for their families, but also for their churches. And so, mm. any final words of encouragement for them?
1: Yeah. First of all, just remember that God is in control of Mm -hmm. of, of everything. None of this has caught him off guard. Your family budget has not caught him off guard. Your church budget has not caught him off guard. And he is the owner of, of all things. So he can give what he chooses. And what you have right now, this is what you've been entrusted with. And so steward that well. Whatever God has given you right now, that's what God has entrusted you with. So steward those resources well. Now, I'll go back to the Certified Christian fi- Financial Counselor. You have people in your church that are uh, maybe like you, struggling with their with their finances. They simply don't know, even know what step to take next. They have no idea what to do. It would be great if you had somebody in your congregation that you could then point to. More than likely, this person, you could easily I- identify to, to go through this program. They're already probably passionate about, about personal finances, probably helping people um, in, in, in the church— but have somebody go through this program so that you can, you can know that they have a, a broad-based knowledge on finances, and they can help people with their, with their budgeting, help people get out of debt, help people save, but doing it all through a, a Christian Christian worldview. So uh, this could—I I hope that this is a, a tremendous resource for you, the pastor, and for your, your, your church.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, that'll do it, brother. Thank you again for taking some time to join uh the conversation today. I want to encourage all of our listeners to check out all the fantastic resources Dr. Rayner has from his website to his podcast to the new Institute for Christian Financial Health. This brother is doing some amazing work, and we're so grateful for him. And we want to thank you, listener, for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found today's conversation helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give us. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation.
2: And finally, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.